Welcome to the Life Unlimited Podcast with Larry Heller. You deserve complete financial advice so you can confidently live your life your way for life. Now, let's get into this week's podcast episode. Hello and welcome to another Life Unlimited Podcast with your host, Larry Heller. This is going to be a very interesting series. We're going to do a four-part mini-series on 401k plans. So Larry, um, you know, this is one of those things where a lot of independent financial advisors like you aren't in this space. And I think there's a lot of reasons for that, but the human sort of component that you bring, I think is a big difference maker in this 401k space. Uh, and on top of that, you work with a lot of business owners, but where do we begin with this huge juggernaut of 401k topics that we're going to go over over the next four episodes? Yeah, man, I'm so excited to be talking about there. There's so much to really bring out there about what's going on with the 401k plans and educate you kind of what you need to do. A lot of people put a 401k plan in and they kind of forget about it. And a lot of times companies are doing, and they're really just doing it as a cost factor and and the, the, less, the, the least expensive cost. And there's a lot of great reasons why not just to focus on that and what makes a really good 401k plan and how does it not only benefit the company, but also helps to retain and retract, uh, attract employees. I want to talk about all of that. So really the first thing is when we're talking to somebody is finding out what, what is the goals? What are the plans, goals, and objectives of the plans? And there's really, I look at it from two different perspectives, the owner's perspectives and the employee's perspective, because it's a little bit different. And you really want to look at look at it through the eyes of both to really to get a good plan that's really working for, for somebody. The, you know, the first thing really what I talk about, we're going to talk about today in part one is really the is the plan design. And like I mentioned before, it's when you're first starting a plan, you really spend time figuring out what the plan design is. At least hope, hopefully you do, because I'm going to mention a few mistakes that I've seen over the years of plans that weren't designed properly and can't be changed. And so, but the plan design, a lot of times you can't just put it in, forget about it, because a lot of things change over over the time. So we're going to talk about really from the from the owner's perspective first, and then we'll talk a little bit about from the employee's perspective. So we got a lot to unwrap and then parts two, three, and four get into a lot of different areas on the 401k plan. You know, I was just at a conference recently, Larry, and they were they were talking about the biggest trends in hiring. And it used to be, you know, like prospecting and, you know, bringing in new business as a business owner. That is not number one anymore. Number one is hiring and retaining high quality talent. And, and you know, as well as I do, that offering benefits packages like this can be a huge way for the owners to be able to retain that and for the employees to really feel like they're being loved. But let's start with the owner. So why don't you go ahead and uh, let's let's start rolling that puppy out. Yeah. So, so the first thing, a lot of times from the owner's standpoint, what is the objective? And a lot of times it changes based upon the size of the company. Are you a company with a few few employees and the owners and a few different owners? Are you the sole owner? Do you have 20 owners? Is, is the plan mm -hmm. 300 employees, 500 employees, or is the plan six employees? So the first thing is really trying to figure out what are the goals and what are the objectives of of this plan. And from an owner's 
perspective, they may say, well, I w- the most important thing is I want to put away the most amount of money myself, tax deferred, and it, maybe I can g- I'll give some of the employees some, some money, but that's not as critical. And some other ones may say, I want to have a plan that's going to attract the best and retain the best employees. Because like you mentioned before, it's not just the amount of money that you're earning these days. We all know post-COVID, a lot of it is now quality of life. But the, the first question, or at least high up on that list when you start talking to people is, well, what are the benefits? What is the 401, what is the 401k plan? So really having that conversation and really looking at the census and really seeing with a breakdown of the employees. And that could, you know, that could change. Now I'm going to give a couple of different stories as we go, go along, but we were looking at a, a camp a few years ago. Uh, the 401k plan was with a big payroll company. And we look, we were looking at them. We we're looking at the census and the way this was designed was not, was not proper. Um, in other words, the owner was making a lot of money and camp had a lot of part-time employees. So they didn't really have a lot of full-time employees and they were very young. So the owner was making a lot of money. And we said, did you ever think about combining your 401k plan with a cash balance plan? And basically, no, what is that? Well, we're not going to get into the details of a cash balance, but we'll talk about some more of, more of them. But in long story short, instead of putting away 60 something thousand dollars, they able to put away a quarter of a million dollars to themselves. A huge difference. And why wasn't that talked to me before? And well, you know, the plan was put in place maybe at a certain time and there's nobody there looking at the census and really talking to them. So really figuring out what the objective is from a tax savings and a tax deferral standpoint is one of the key things. Of course, we want to look at the 401k plan and we want to devise a 401k plan that works really smoothly for a cost-effective cost effective amount. So yes, one of the discussions, and it's a lot of times it's the first discussion, what is the plan costing me? How much is it costing me, the company, the owners? How much is it costing the, the employees? And first times with the owners, I'm looking saying, well, sometimes let's see how it's going to possibly save the owners money. And, and if you're at a law firm with a lot of different partners and what you're putting away, the tax savings alone can outweigh the cost of what they're actually contributing to the employees. So really looking at what the cost is, not only pre-tax and what the administration cost is, but what is the cost after tax savings? And we have a whole kind of program to put into place to show them what is the actual net after tax cost. So, because the government, if if they're doing certain things, they can put a plan in place where they're saving some money along those lines. And then, you know, there's a couple of different types of plans. And we're going to talk about some in general. Of course, we're not going to go into specifics, really details, because everybody is different based upon the kind of plan there's. So we're going to mention a lot of, of course, anybody wants to reach out and get some more information from us, can can they, they, they definitely can do that. So you know, Larry, I'm, I'm going to interrupt you there because there's two things that you said that I really, really just want to make sure that I highlight. The first one is the absolute benefit to the owners of the business, the partners in the business on how this can really end up by implementing this into their practice or their business can really make them uh, have the opportunity to save a bunch of taxes. But, but 
I want to talk about the cost very quickly because I've known many, many 401k advisors in, in the past. And it's always interesting to me that uh, so many of them think they have to compete on the cost of the plan. But what we're finding is it's actually the value that somebody like you adds into the plan that these larger 401k companies don't even think about that really justifies the small increase in the cost of the overall plan. Because again, your employees don't want to just have a 401k plan. They want all of the other stuff that goes along with that. And I know you're going to talk about that in a minute when we really go from the employee's perspective. Okay. Yeah. So let's talk um, from a high level on the different types of plans. So let, let's just start with a plain, your plain 401k plan without anything else along those lines. So you can have a 401k plan. And basically what you're doing is you're letting the employees contribute money. And we're going to talk a little bit about this as far as the benefits down the road, but, but mostly pre-tax. So they get to put away money pre-tax in an account over their life while they're working there. And that will grow tax deferred for them. And when they retire, they can take that money out, but they've had the uh, advantage of uh, the government contributing a little bit because you're not paying taxes now and the tax deferral growth. However, there are some caveats for that. And just doing a regular regular kind of deferral plan that the government has said, uh -uh, you can't just do this and because then the just the top heavy, the people making more money are going to contribute to the plan and the lower end are not really going to be able to contribute to the plan. So they want to get lower end em employees to be in the 401k plan because it's really the best way to save for retirement. If a lot of people, it's the only way to save for retirement. So they have certain testing. If you just put a plan in place and we've seen it before, we've come, people have come in and they don't want to give any money to the employees. So they have a regular plan in place and the key people put money away the entire year. At the end of the year, they do this. The, the actuary does this testing and they fail the testing. And a lot of the money that the key employees and the owners have put away have to be refunded to them. And nobody is really happy. Ooh. So, yeah. So so that's kind of one of the problems with now as the plans grow in your if you have a, a very large plan, most of those plans are going to put in something so they can alleviate that. And a lot of times the, the best way of doing that was what's called a safe harbor plan. And by doing that is by putting by actually contributing money to everybody, a certain percentage, 3% to everybody right now, that means that there is no more testing. So you don't have to worry about that. But that also means that everybody is going to be getting this 3%. Now, of course, when designing the plan, there's certain waiting periods before they're eligible, how long they have to work there, what age they have to be. So you can kind of do something, do something like that. And there's a couple of different types of safe harbor plans. And this is where it gets a little bit talking to them what makes sense. Some employees just want to do the, the 3%. It's a great way of attracting people. Others want to have something in there that maybe they're going to put something in place, but only if the employees do. So you can do what's called the safe harbor match, 
whereby now you may end up having to give a max of 4% as a combination to get to that number, but that's only if the employees contribute. So if the employees aren't contributing, the company is not putting a match in place. So what one works better for the company? What one works better for attracting employees for doing this? So there's a conversation to have on putting in the right type of 401k plan and putting those in place. A lot of times that we've seen that if they don't have that in place over the long term, it's not going, it's not going to work. Again, this is a out-of-pocket cost contribution. So again, we have the conversations. Well, how expensive is it is if you lose an employee because they are leaving you to go someone else and now you got to bring a new employee and you got to recruit them, you got to train them, you got to do that. That's a lot more expensive than maybe giving them a 401k contribution or maybe even some other type of plan. So you got to look at the long-term, the big picture and have those conversations with the owners, the HR departments, the people out there when, you, when you're looking at this plan, what makes sense and what makes sense in this environment and what makes sense compared to their peers. And we'll talk a little bit later about benchmarking what you do, but how do you compare against your peers? So if you're trying to recruit somebody from your peers, what are the different benchmark? What are the different benefits that you offer? So that's really the first kind of type. The first base level is really the, you know, the 401k and the types of 401ks. And then on top of that, you can add certain other types of plans, some other contributory plan. I talked a little bit about that cash balance plan. Now that doesn't work for a lot of firms because a lot of times there's too many employees for that to, to make sense. That's the old kind of traditional defined benefit plans. But in certain cases, it does make sense. But there's also some other types of plans. And we're not going to go into the details of all of them, but there's profit sharing plans and new comparability plans. And in the profit sharing plans, there's traditional, there's age weighted. So this is a way of giving a little bit more to employees, but now here you could do what's called vesting. And what you're doing here is the longer that they stay and you can defer it in up to six years in different ways, the longer they stay, the more they become vested. So now if they leave and they go to another plan, another company, they're maybe have to start all over again. So yeah. is the, again, is the advantage of doing something like this? And there's a lot of times this is can be decided each year so it's not a it, it's not a definite if the companies make a certain amount of money they can put more in they can put less in you can devise it differently based upon income based upon ages based upon a lot of different ways so the plan design is so critical and putting the right plan in place for really uh, attracting and retaining employees and attracting, retaining good employees, which in essence could make the company more profitable and be able to grow a lot of ways. So you can't just look at what the administration cost is going to be. Now, before we get into the employee's perspective on, on all of this, I mean, you just said a, a mouthful there, Larry. So, so let's say I, I choose one of these plans and we go ahead and build the plan and get it in place. How, how flexible are changes for the employer if because of growth or because of need or because of the competitive marketplace that they need to adjust the plan? Is that difficult? Is that entirely impossible or is that possible? No. So there's a lot of flexibility in what you could do to change it, but you can't make the plan worse than it was beforehand. So this sometimes, <laughs> we, we actually have something going on right, right now that we have a company and when they started, they were a relatively modest 
company. Now they're up to 90 something employees, but they have a three month waiting period and they hire a lot of people. And a lot of the people may stay, may not stay. There is definitely some, some turnover. So that means after three months, we've got to ask them if they want to enroll. There's a cost to enroll. They can enroll. The company then has got to make sure that they include everybody. And we can't make it worse. We can't go to a one-year waiting period or a six-month waiting period because it's already in place. There's nothing else we can do about it. So there are some things in place. But that, so that's why if you're even if you're starting a plan and you're a relatively small plan, you want to think about well, what is the ultimate goal? Where is where we want to grow by this? Some of it is also when can you get when can you get in the plan? So do you let your employees get in once a year, twice a year, four times a year? So all those type of things. A, a part of the flexibilities. And of course, the changing of the, the the plan. Yes, you can change. Do you have a safe harbor? Changing it to a safe harbor match. There's certain timeframes, there's certain things you can do, but there is a lot of flexibility. But something just hit, just popped into my head that I think I want to let everybody know because getting towards the end of the year, I mean, this podcast will probably come out actually beginning of 2024. So you may say, oh, I missed the boat for 2023. And up until last year, that would have been the case. But the government has actually now changed. And they basically said, you can go back to the previous year and you could put a retirement plan in place. Now, you can't go back and do employee deferrals for last year, but you could actually put in a type of profit sharing plan on top of the 401k and you can do the profit sharing for last for the previous year. And you have up until you actually file your tax return to do that. So if you had a great year last year and you think you might've missed the boat, mm, you may want to talk to somebody about that because you may be able to put up something in place for the previous year. Cool. I had no idea that that was, uh, I'd heard that there were some changes coming down the pipeline, but that that's that's really, really good news for employers. All right. So now we're going to switch gears to talk about the employee perspective. Where do we begin here? Right. So so from the employees, the employees' perspective, uh, we talked about from the owner's perspective and what kind of plan are they going to put kind of plan they're going to put in place. So is it a safe harbor plan? Is it a regular plan with a match? Is it a safe harbor match plan? And I remember, so I've been doing this for a while. We used to do employee education meetings in person. Now we do we do, do some. We'll talk about that a lot in part four. Um, a lot of them are um, Zoom. But one of the first, one of the ones I first did, I came with a, a large amount of single dollar bills and I threw it on the table. And people, there were, must have been 25 people in the room and people were like looking at me crazy. Why am I throwing this money on, on the table? And I, I kind of asked them, I said, if you saw all this money on the table, would you pick it up? And of course, everyone <laughs> said yes. I said, then how come everybody isn't contributing it to the plan? Because these owners are nice enough to put a match in place. That's free money. They're giving you free money. And all you got to do is contribute a little bit about your money and you'll be able to get this free money. So, so you got to know what, what is the match? Now, of course, we understand that some, sometimes people are younger and they're uh, struggling to make ends meet yeah. and they may not be able to do the max. But a lot of times I, I say to them, I ask them, I always look around the room, there's somebody there with a $20 cup of coffee. And I said, you know what? Instead of that $20 cup of coffee, maybe if you made your own coffee, you could put $20 away into your, in, into your plan and get started and then increase it all. Because if you don't start, 
then the longer you wait, the harder it's going to be. And we'll talk about the more in employee education yeah. and, the, and the importance of uh, compounding over over time. But knowing your plan and knowing what that max is and what that ma- do you have a, a match and a safe harbor match and how much is that and how much I can do. So that from an employee's perspective, you want to kind of know that and you want to kind of see that in there because that's important important when you're maybe deciding to work for somebody or staying with them, what they are offering there in the in, in the match. And then we'll talk about, we talked about a little bit more about that additional plan. Do that, do, does a company have an additional profit sharing plan? Now, a lot of times now these days, a lot of companies don't, but if they do have this additional plan in place, knowing what your vesting schedule is. So if you vest after four years and you're thinking about leaving, do you leave right before you invest for the fourth year? Do you stay? Or if you're contemplating going somewhere else, hmm, maybe I should stay here because my company is giving me money that I'm already 100% vested. If I go somewhere else, even for a little bit higher salary, I'm losing this other benefit. So knowing what your vesting schedule is, knowing what your benefits are, knowing, you know, can I take a loan? What is the options of taking a loan? Even though we probably discourage that, but but there are certain reasons why you may want to d- do that and knowing if that's available. And then the one of the biggest things that we have conversation, especially with younger people, should I Roth or should I do a pre-tax? Yep. Now let's talk about Roth. So a lot of these 401k plans were put in place years and years and years ago. So what has not happened? Well, no one's looking at this plan design and the owners usually are putting away bigger money in pre-tax and and no one said, you know what? We should add a Roth option to the 401k plan. So a lot of times we'll go and look at the plan and we'll say, you know, why haven't you put a Roth option in the plan? And well, nobody said that I should put a Roth option. Well, you want to do that because if you have, again, people making lower amounts of money, it may be beneficial for them to put money away after tax or maybe even split it between the two things. So pre-tax versus Roth from an employee's perspective, do I have that? What are some of the education meetings that are out there? So I know kind of how do I do that? How do I improve my retire- retirement readiness? And we're going we're, we're gonna to talk about part three investments that I'll mention in a little bit later on. But a lot of times people need help with their with the investment. So what are the options? Is there a model portfolio? And we'll go through that. For our plan, 70% of their of participants select one of our five models that we've customized for each of the plans. So mm-hmm. does does a plan does a plan offer that? Um and what are the fees sometimes in these? Are these funds, really expensive funds, and a lot of the fees being passed down to me, or these are really lower cost fees, and which one should I should I be in? So from an employee's perspective, you're looking to see, okay, how does that benefit me? What are the options? What are the benefits? And what should I be doing? Is there a retirement calculator in there that if I put X amount of money away, what is that going to bring me to? One of the great things that we now do is we get all the participants' emails. And not only not only does the record keeper actually send these emails, education email out, it's done by age. So as someone who's older is getting a email based upon 
something that's important to them, where by somebody's 20s, they're getting a different email. So they're we're customizing the education to all the participants. And I I, I love that. And hopefully we, we talk about the employee education, we talk about the emails for them to make sure they read them and see what's in there and see mm-hmm. kind of what they what they want to do and how they should benefit by the age that they are. Well, I love the idea of to Roth or not to Roth. And in fact, for all of you who have been uh, listening to this podcast, Larry has spent a lot of time talking about the power of of Roth uh, IRAs. If you're just coming into this Life Unlimited podcast now with this 401k series, there is a lot of really good information out there about Roths, uh, and we highly recommend that you do that. Now, Larry, when it comes to all of this, I mean, you know, we've just spent almost 20 minutes here really kind of going down from the top. This is somewhat overwhelming. How do you help provide training and education so that not the, only the employers, but the employees can make an informed decision? Yeah. So the, the the first thing that that we we do is we bench we benchmark a plan and, and compare the, your plan to what's going on in the industry and start to talk about their goals and their objectives. But what is what how's your plan design? What are you trying to do with your plan design? How do your costs compare? How do your investments compare? And every few years, we actually do this internally with our existing plans because the census changes. You, the, the types of employees that you hire change. The goals and objectives may change. The laws may change. We'll talk a, li- a little bit about the, one of the laws that are coming for, coming up for twenty for this year, now 2024, by the time you're listening to this. So we we actually offer a, a benchmarking review. And with a few information, some information we can get from you, we'll put together a, a, a benchmark just to see how you compare to what is going on out there and some of the things that maybe you'd be able to offer. And also not just comparing that, but some of the things that could be done to make your life easier. We're going to cover a, a lot of that in some of the uh, in some of the other parts, but there are, there are a lot of features in there. And we'll talk about the benchmarking. And if you, you check down in the summary b- below, you can contact us and we'll, we'll provide you with a benchmarking report. But uh, there are there are different features in there. We want to make our clients' uh, plans really easier um, and smooth. And with technology out there, you can do this. And a lot of times, people have these plans through their 401k provider mm-hmm. because they think it's the easiest way of getting done. And we believe that you shouldn't just do that just because of that. But people don't know that any 401k plan can be integrated with their payroll, mm-hmm. either what's called a 180 or a 360 integration, which we'll get into a little bit more in one of the other podcasts. But here, this way, you can really reduce a lot of the manual work and you don't have to have your 401k through your payroll provider. Um, There's also ways of making the new hirees automatic and packages go out. And then also terminations, getting people out with low balances actually reduce the cost of the plan. So there's ways of making this automatic and things now with technologies have improved so, so much. So you don't need to have just a plan with your payroll provider. But if again, if you've had these plans in place for years and years and years, you may not be aware of some of these features. And we're going to talk more about some of these features in some of the future in some of the future podcasts. Well, let's go ahead and you just previewed a little bit on what's going to be happening in in episode number two of this four part mini series. Uh, what what do we got for three and four, and then we'll wrap up today's show. Yep. 
So podcast three is all going to be about investments. What are the costs of investments? The diversified investment choice. I'm literate to it before the model portfolios. I can't believe how big these model portfolios, we we feel that they are. Um, and then there are some 401k providers that charge an extra fee for, for having model portfolios. And a lot of the plans, we just had one that we were, we were talking to a, a, about and they elected to go with someone because they didn't want to pay a little bit more money to be able to offer the model portfolios to their employees, which when I said before, we have over 75% of our uh, participants are choosing, choosing these models. I think it, that is so critical. The reason why they're choosing, they have no idea what they should be investing in. Yep. And they're either talking to a friend or somebody else. So we're going to talk a little bit, a lot about model portfolios. We'll talk about target funds. We'll also talk about rebalancing and auto rebalancing. And why is why is that important as well. So that's all coming in part three of the part four series. And part four is all going to be about employee education and wellness. Mentioned a couple of the highlights and what we do and the emails and things like mm-hmm. that and the and the education and the wellness. And we really believe that offering this and, and to the employees and offering these these meetings, we have a mandate that we offer them and try to get every one of our plans to have have one each year. And now with Zoom, it's gotten a little bit easier out there, but it's so important and so beneficial. And the employees really, really do appreciate that. That's coming in in part four. I did mention that there was one kind of law change for 2024. So again, being on top of this. So that has to do with, and there's more than one, but one of the key ones from the SECURE Act was that in 2024, you have to make sure that if if you have part-time employees, so a part-time employee is anybody less than a thousand hours. But if you have a part-time employee that worked 500 hours, but not a thousand hours for the last three years in a row, they are eligible to to do a deferral in the 401k plan. They may not be eligible for some of the other additional plans, but you need to offer some of these. You need to offer all of these employees that have had 500 hours for the last three years. You don't want to miss them and fall in default. So uh, so that's one thing. If you have a lot of part-time employees out there and you haven't been told about that, make sure that you do look into that and get all those part-time employees, at least offer them the eligibility of coming into your plan. Now with that, I'm, I'm sorry, is that retroactive or does that start in 2024 moving forward? Starts January 1, 2024 is the first year. It's been pushed back a few times. Okay. So if you worked in 2020, if you had 500 hours in 2020, 1, 22, and 23 are eligible, 1, 1, 24. So you really should have been doing this the last month in, in December of 2023, getting everybody ready to start on 1, 1, 24. All right. So you uh, hinted toward a benchmarking report, which is of great value uh, to the um, the plan sponsor, specifically the, the employer. Let's talk a little bit more about that as we wrap up today's show. Yeah. So w- we have a benchmarking re- report that we're offering a free benchmarking review of your plan, which will cover all, all the four areas that we're doing the four podcasts on. So uh, if you'd like to do that, we have the link in the summary description below. Just Click on the link and we set up a short 20 minute intro call with one of our consultants and uh, we'll be able to get you a benchmarking report to see how you compare to what's going on out there in the 401k industry.
Well, Larry, thank you very much for all of this information. This is part one of a four-part mini-series today. We talked about plans and objectives. Uh, the next one we're going to be talking about is some of the key features uh, to make them work very, very efficiently. Uh, number three is going to be talking about the investment model portfolios and investments that you can do within a 401k. And number four is going to be education and wellness, which we know is a huge component of making sure that you're not only attracting, but retaining really good employees. Please take advantage of the benchmarking. I just, as a, as a person who's worked with financial advisors for a really, really long time, we know that business owners out there really, really do want to want to be able to offer these benefits to their employees. But more importantly, they want to have an actual relationship with a human being who has been doing this for a while. And that human being is Larry and his team at Heller Wealth Management. So please make sure you click in that link below for the benchmark study opportunity. And uh, we'll see you for part two of this very, very soon.